0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the film critic for the website Quipster.net. I've been doing film reviews for 20 years. You can read all of my written work at my website, Quipster.net. That's dot net. Today, I'm going to be looking at the third film in the Bridget Jones saga. It's called Bridget Jones's Baby. It's a romantic comedy, as have been the other films in the series. It's R-rated, as with the other ones as well. Language, sexual references, and some nudity are in this movie. Two hours and two minutes is the runtime. Renee Zellweger returns in the title role. Colin Firth also returns. Newcomers are Patrick Dempsey, Sarah Soleimani, and Emma Thompson in supporting roles. The director is Sharon McGuire, and the screenplay is credited to Helen Fielder, Dan Mazur, and Emma Thompson herself. If you're a longtime fan of the Bridget Jones Diary film from 2001, you'll probably be pleased to hear that Bridget Jones' baby is kind of a welcome, feel-good return for the character, especially if you've suffered through the mostly unfunny disappointment of the second film in the series that came out in 2004 called Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason. If you haven't seen that film, I would say don't bother unless you're curious because it's not really necessary to watch before this entry to understand what's going on. See the first film, see the third film, and be reasonably content with what you've seen. This entry not only brings back Renee Zellweger after 12 years away from the role, but also Colin Firth, as well as most of the series' smaller supporting players. This also enlists the services of the director of Bridget Jones' Diary from 2001, Sharon Maguire, so pretty much everyone is back except for Hugh Grant, who played Daniel Cleaver in the first two films. His character is alluded to on a couple of occasions, but he doesn't really play an important part of the main story. Now, this entry takes place before the action of Helen Fielding's actual third novel in the Bridget Jones series called Bridget Jones Mad About the Boy. That one featured the adventures of Bridget Jones when she's in her 50s, so she's in her 40s here, so this is kind of a prequel to the book. If this film is successful at the box office, perhaps we'll see that book actually get adapted if you're into comedies, sitcom comedies especially, the kind that you might find on cable TV where they have bad language and some nudity like Sex and the City, then you'll probably be the kind of audience that the Bridget Jones series is seeking even though it's set in London and not New York City. The premise of Bridget Jones's Baby is yet again a love triangle as has been in all three of these films now. Bridget has just turned 43 years old. We find her at the beginning of the film still alone. She's still living in the same flat in London. And she doesn't have, despite all of these movies coming out about her trying to find love, she doesn't have a husband. She doesn't have any children. She's not been married. So she's been successful in her career because now she's a producer for a television news program in London and... On the urging of a friend and colleague, Bridget gets cajoled into attending an outdoor music festival where people expect to get laid in addition to listening to a lot of good music, I guess, and to get laid often, I might add. And while she's there, she ends up meeting right away this very charismatic, very good-looking American, uh, a billionaire, a dating site wonderkin named Jack Quant, played by Patrick Dempsey. And one thing leads to another, and they soon have relations, as she describes it in this film. About a week later, though, she ends up running into her old flame from the first two films, Mark Darcy. He's very reserved and very refined. He's going through a divorce, but he professes to still have feelings for Bridget that have come up now that he's seen her again. And one thing leads to another, and they also have relations. So when Bridget ends up finding out that she is, at 43, pregnant, it becomes an awkward situation for them all, because she doesn't know which of these two appealing man is the actual father being so close together in their rendezvous. So she hasn't really gotten the results of a test, so she has to accept the situation of responsibility and let them know individually that they may be the father of her baby, but she ends up not quite being able to tell them that they're not quite the father after they respond positively to it. So... Yeah, therein lies a problem. Somebody's going to get jilted at some point and find it a very crushing experience to find out that they're not the father. So that's the premise. It's a very punchy script. It's credited to the creator of Bridget Jones, at least in the novel form, Helen Fielding, You got two other Academy Award-nominated screenwriters to touch up the script. You know, Emma Thompson here. She wrote Sense and Sensibility and got an Oscar nod for that one. She is also in the film. She has a supporting role as Bridget's obstetrician. She has a funny role. She ends up having to bite her tongue because Bridget is too busy wrangling over what she actually should do about her predicament. She ends up juggling both men with the notion that they're the father, and the obstetrician can only shake her head at what she's seeing here. And then... The other Academy Award-nominated screenwriter here is Dan Mazur. He is known for being in the ribald comedy camp. Very big laughs, usually of a body nature. He wrote the screenplay for Borat, for instance, and that's when he got an Oscar nod for So although the premise of a woman who doesn't know who the father is has been the source of comedy on TV and other mediums for many years, you know, this one is a little bit novel in that it is about a middle-aged woman. For instance, we get this term in here called geriatric pregnancy. So we don't see a lot of women in 35 plus get pregnant in movies and how that's going to affect their decision on what they should do. We also get this ageism at the workplace that's kind of novel too, because the TV station that hosts her show is looking for a more modern, more hipster-friendly workplace to kind of generate more fresh feel for the younger audience. Those things are at least rare enough to keep the entire movie from feeling like completely well-worn goods. It does take some suspension of disbelief, though, for the sake of the comedy to presume that some sort of test on who the father is wouldn't have been done far, far sooner than the point when it actually takes place within the film. But I guess the writers of this movie probably feel they need this contrivance of the ignorance of everyone involved because they want to have comedy that stems from the rivalry of the suitors, as well as to keep viewers hooked in as to who actually is the father and what's going to happen, you know, toward the end of the movie. So, Reportedly, there were several endings that were actually filmed to this movie, and I guess if that's the case, then they probably went with the one that tested better with audiences before they ended up choosing the one to release. I will say, I don't know what the other endings were like, but I ended up leaving fairly content with how things play out. Renee Zellweger, this is her first prominent big screen role in a while, probably over half decade. I think not since 2009 has she been the star of a movie that's been in wide release in the movie theaters. So it's easy to forget that she actually is a three-time Oscar nominee. She even won one of the Oscars for Cold Mountain. And one of her Oscar nominations, the very first one she received was back in 2001 for Bridget Jones' Diary itself. So, you know, this is the kind of role that she's known for, and it, she's very synonymous with that. And I know that a lot of people have criticized Renee Zellweger for not quite looking the same as how people remember her when she was in her twenties and thirties. You know, there there has been a few years since people have seen her, and as she's gotten into her mid forties. I, you know, there, there are some changes that take place in the aging process and people lose their minds. And I will admit, yes, it does take a while to cotton back to her the way she looks here, but she's a terrific actress. Nonetheless, as I mentioned, those Oscar nominations and she sells this performance in very short order because she gives it a lot of good energy. She has a very keen awareness of her character's strengths as well as her vulnerabilities. So she's great. There's some nitpicks here with the story. For instance, the whole diary aspect of the film that carries over from the first film it doesn't quite make sense because if Bridget Jones were in the habit of keeping this daily journal, well, now she's using an iPad and not writing it down surely she doesn't have to keep recapping the things that have happened in her life since the last time we've seen her. This doesn't make sense. For instance, she mentions like, oh, I'm at my ideal weight. But given the fact that we don't see her dieting, she must have reached that ideal weight some time ago. Why does she have to mention it again in her diary? It doesn't make sense there. So, you know, that's a nitpick, I guess. Some people might nitpick the fact that Uh, Apparently her birthday in this film is different than the birthday they mentioned in the first film, or that the age difference between Mark Darcy and her is different from the first film. And yeah, nitpickers will go to town on this movie for sure. And if that bothers you, maybe this is not the movie for you. But I do think that Bridget Jones' baby is generally enjoyable in a low-reaching kind of way. If you can overlook the contrivances and some of the problems with the... Inconsistencies. There is an excess of length to the movie. Yeah, it's, it, it creaks at over two hours. The first film was just barely over 90 minutes, so why we need this extra half hour when the first film adequately set up who she was and her peculiar world of characters and her situation. You know, this movie really is padded with a lot of musical interludes. There's this on-the-nose soundtrack, what they call a jukebox soundtrack of hit after hit after hit. And, you know, a lot of these songs are really there to drive the film's tone, the vibe. I think that the story and the characters themselves should be doing the brunt work of the feel-good feelings instead of the music. So it gets to be kind of overbearing in that way. There are three screenwriters, as I mentioned, and I guarantee you they did not collaborate on this screenplay together. They all gave their individual passes on the script because the plot and the jokes feel very schizophrenic. You know, for instance, in one scene, things are very wry. They're very witty. I assume Emma Thompson had her hand in some of those scenes, given her writing style. And then at other times, things are very slapsticky, very broad, very rude, cheerfully so, very bawdy. And that's no doubt the fingerprints of Mazer all over those scenes. There are many scenes in here that are shoehorned in just to get a big laugh in times when things are a little bit down. For instance, toward the climax of the film, there's this very hasty ride in a cramped piece of delivery car that feels very out of place. you got this Italian stereotype at the wheel. Obviously, they're just trying to install a big laugh set piece in this part of the film because there were very sentimental and semi-serious moments around it, so... I I guess they feel like they might lose the audience if they're not laughing at something and it gets put in here for no real reason. While Bridget Jones' Baby is not the sort of sequel that's chock full of original ideas by any means and the developments are not plausible at all. I think that if you're willing to overlook some of those things, if you're a fan of the first entry, you'll probably enjoy this as a a long-and-coming follow-up, but a very welcome nostalgic return of Bridget Jones to the big screen to give you a few additional laughs, either at her expense or with her. And if you enjoy formula, romantic comedies, this one is done reasonably well within that genre. So I'm going to give this film three stars out of four. Three stars on my scale means that I think that it is recommended with reservations basically strictly for people who like romantic comedies. If you like that genre of films, this is going to be right up your alley. Certainly, if you like the first film, you'll probably give this one a go and be reasonably entertained. You know, Don't expect it to be as good as the first film, but it is, in my opinion, better than the second film by a long shot. So I would recommend it for people who have stuck through the series to this point, whether you see it out in the theaters or whether you see it, you know, when it comes out on streaming or VOD or DVD or whatever. It's not a great movie, but it is entertaining. Three stars out of four for Bridget Jones' Baby. I encourage you to click the subscribe button if this is your first time listening and you want to hear more of my reviews. If you have been listening a while and you want to support the show, don't forget, you can leave a review on iTunes or go to patreon.com slash quipster and leave a donation. All of that is a great help to me, not only to build the audience, but also to be able to continue to go to the movie theater, to have the hosting for this show and all the other expenses that it takes for me to keep up with delivering these reviews to you on a timely basis. Also, if you want to get in touch with me, go to my website. You can find my email address as well as links to my Twitter feed and Facebook page. Any of those are are adequate ways of getting in touch. I respond to everything that people send to me personally. So maybe I'll even read it here on one of my reviews. Quipster.net is where to go. That's Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net.